0: And merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store, and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network Store. Shop there today. This podcast is sponsored by Play Classic Sports Simulation Board Games. Spelled with two A's. P-L-A-A-Y. Realistic board game recreations of professional football, hockey, baseball, NASCAR, golf, and more. They cover nine sports in all, with a tenth, basketball, coming in 2022. You can relive great seasons of the past, create what-if matchups from different eras, and much more. It's fun. If you're into sports history, you should check them out. Play with two A's. P-L-A-A-Y Classic dot com. Use the code SHN at checkout and get 10% off your first order. We also have a giveaway running through November 13th for your chance to win your choice of any one of the Play Classic games. To enter and to check out the interview with the founder and his son, head to sportshistorynetwork.com play. That's P-L-A-A-Y. It's time for Lombardi Memory. so to take you back in time in January or February to the greatest one day spectacle in all of sports. This is the every other Tuesday well sometimes every other Tuesday it's been a while since I've had my last one. Um, been finishing a book recently so I've been off a few Tuesdays but we're, we're trying to come back to this t- every other Tuesday schedule. For this podcast, because it looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls, tells the story of who won, and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play, through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at tommyaphillips.com, where you can find all of my books, those include Great 80s, which covers this 1988 season we're about to go through, and this Super Bowl. And plus, the the bonus thing is whenever you read the book, you don't <laughs> have to listen to my list. But anyway, uh, we're going to cover Super Bowl twenty three today, held on January 22nd, 1989. A brand new Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami, Florida, between the two-time AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals and the three-time NFC champion San Francisco 49ers. If you're looking for the full story of this 1988 season, pick up my great 80s book and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 80s. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is Jerry Rice caught eleven passes in this game tying a Super Bowl record. Who is the first player in Super Bowl history to catch eleven passes? If you've been paying attention, you might know the answer to this, but the answer will come at the end of this podcast. The 1988 San Francisco 49ers were not supposed to win the Super Bowl. The 1987 49ers were. In 87, the Niners went 13-2, and and they were clearly the NFL's best team in the regular season. Consider this. The 87 49ers outscored their final three opponents 124-7. to Receiver Jerry Rice set a single-season NFL record with 22 touchdown catches while playing only 12 games as he sat out the three strike games. Between quarterbacks Joe Montana and Steve Young were 41 touchdown passes. The Niners were absolutely loaded, and they deserved to win the Super Bowl. But they didn't. The 49ers got knocked off at home in the divisional round, by the 8-7 and Minnesota Vikings, 36-24. The game could have been worse, too. The Vikings settled for field goals five times. Montana was benched for young, but nothing went right for the Niners. The Vikings went to the NFC Championship game. The 13-2 49ers went home. Next season, the 49ers were a mess. The quarterback controversy between Montana and Young was out of control. It was Far Rodgers on steroids. At midseason, the 49ers blew a three-touchdown lead against Phoenix, while scoring only nine points against Chicago and three points against the Raiders in two more losses. But Montana eventually wrested the job away from Young. And the 49ers cruise to a four-game winning streak to get to 10 and 5, and clinch the NFC West title. The 49ers then lay down like dogs in their final game, according to Giants quarterback Phil Simms. Why was that? Well, they lost to the Rams to finish 10 and 6, and that allowed Los Angeles to make it in as a wild card and knock the Giants out of the playoffs. The 10 and 49 ers made it in as a number 2 seed and in their first playoff game they got revenge on the Vikings beating them 34 to 9. They then crushed the number 1 seeded Chicago Bears 28 to 3 to advance to their third Super Bowl. While the mon- controversy between Montana and young raged, it was clear at this point that the team still belonged to Montana he threw for 2,981 yards and 18 touchdowns as opposed to 10 interceptions. As for Young, he threw for 680 yards and 3 touchdowns with 3 interceptions in limited playtime. And of course, he had one of the most memorable touchdown runs in NFL history against Minnesota in the regular season. But his passer rating was 15 points lower than Montana's. So, Montana, it was his, Montana's job. The running back, Roger Craig, ran for over 1,500 yards with nine touchdowns, and he also led the team with 76 catches going for 534 yards. Rice led the team in both receiving yards and touchdowns, of course, with over 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns. With Montana taking over the quarterback situation late in the year, the 49ers were set to put all the controversy behind them and come away with a third Super Bowl in eight years. Over in the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals won their first six games of the season on their way to a 12-4 regular season record and the number one seed. They beat Seattle 21-13 to in the divisional round before knocking off Buffalo 21 to 10 in the AFC Championship game to advance to their second Super Bowl, under head coach Sam Wyche, the Bengals ran an early form of the no-huddle offense. Doesn't look like an up-tempo offense when you watch it in retrospect, but at the time it was revolutionary. NFL MVP Boomer Esiason won the MVP award by throwing for 3,572 yards and 28 touchdowns. Just like Ken Anderson won the MVP and went to the Super Bowl for the Bengals back in 81, Esiason did the same thing here in 88. Meanwhile, running back Icky Woods ran for over 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns while doing the Icky shuffle all the way to the Super Bowl, although he had... (laughs) start doing it on the sideline because the NFL wouldn't let him do it in the end zone. Receiver Eddie Brown was a size since top target with 53 catches for 1,273 yards and 9 touchdowns. The Bengals called tails and the coin toss from Bob Greasy ended up heads. San Francisco won the toss and they naturally chose to receive. What would ensue in the first half was totally unexpected, a defensive struggle. You would think these high-powered offense would light up the scoreboard, but they didn't, at least not in the first half. 49ers started with a reverse to Rice, and he gained about 5 yards, despite what the NBC broadcast described as a sore ankle. That ankle wouldn't bother him much throughout this night. Montana threw to Craig for a first down at the 42, but then Bengals defensive back David Fulcher brought Montana down for a sack to force a punt. Esiason started at his own 26, and he immediately threw the Brown for 17 yards. Woods ran for eight more, then pounded for a first down two plays later, but then the defense of the 49ers stepped up and forced the punt. To start out the next 49ers drive, Craig ran the ball out from his own 5 to the 11. On the play, Bengals defensive tackle Tim Crumry was injured and he broke his leg. He had to come off on a stretcher. He'd later be taken to a Miami hospital diagnosed with a broken fibula and tibia. After a lengthy delay, the Niners came back on the field and moved the ball well. Montana scrambled for a first down, then he threw to tight end John Frank for eight more yards. Rice caught a pass for a first down to 33, before the Bengals got called for roughing the passer on the next play, and the 49ers got the ball into field goal range. Kicker Mike Kofer made a 42-yard field goal to put San Francisco up 3-0. Woods ran for a first down to start the next Cincinnati possession, and he knocked over the umpire in doing so. But Esiason threw a couple of incompletions, one almost picked off by 49ers defensive back Ronnie Lott, and the Bengals had the punt. Montana started out with a pass to Rice, who made a one-handed catch, great catch for 15 yards. Craig called one in. He got eight more yards, and then the team switched sides because it was the end of the first quarter. Craig ran for a first down to the Cincinnati 41, and then Montana went for the long bomb, the Rice, complete, over 30 yards, down to the 10. But then the 49ers' offense got bogged down. Fullback Tom Rathman got the ball as far as the two-yard line on third down, but that's as far as he could make it. And San Francisco head coach Bill Walsh chose to go for the field goal. Now, Randy Cross was in as the long snapper. And on his snap, it was a bad snap. And it couldn't get put down well enough by uh, Helton, the pun- punter. And Kofler missed the 19-yard field goal attempt wide to the left. It was the shortest missed field goal in Super Bowl history, a 19 yard field goal miss, breaking that record for that really short miss the Broncos had two years prior. Cincinnati went three and out on their next possession. 49ers receiver John Taylor then returned the punt 45 yards into Cincinnati territory, one of the longest punt returns in. Super Bowl history, but he couldn't go for a touchdown, and there has never been a touchdown on a punt return in in Super Bowl history. San Francisco could do precious little with the great field position, though. First, Bengals defensive tackle David Grant and defensive end Jason Buck combined for a sack of Montana back at the 42. Then Craig fumbled and defensive end Jim Skoe recovered for the Bengals at their own 41. The Bengals went three and out again, with a sack by defensive ends Charles Haley and Daniel Stubbs ending their possession. Craig got one first down on a reception for San Francisco before they punted it back. The Bengals then got great field position after the punt whenever defensive back Ray Horton took the pump back to the 49ers' 44. Esiason completed a pass to receiver Tim McGee, and the Bengals got a 34-yard field goal by kicker Jim Breit after the two-minute warning to tie the game at three. The 49ers' next drive came up well short of field goal range, and the teams went to the half with a 3-3 score. It was the first time in Super Bowl history that the game was tied at halftime. And it was shocking because these were two high-powered offenses and they managed just one field goal each. To start out the second half, Cincinnati put together a great drive. Woods started it with a run for a first down to the 25. And then Assising went over the middle to receiver Chris Collinsworth for a first down. After the Bengals got called for holding, Esai sent through to running back James Brooks to get the yards back to the 38. Woods then picked up a first down at the 35. On the next third down, Collinsworth made a leaping catch to give Cincinnati another first down. But a couple of flags derailed the Cincinnati drive. So they settled for a 43-yard field goal from Breach to take a 6-3 lead. Montana scrambled for a first down, and then threw to Rice for another 13 yards, getting a couple of uh, new sets of downs to start out the next 49ers drive, but then it got spoiled again, this time by a sack by Bengals linebacker Reggie Williams. So the Bengals got the ball back, but in their very first play of their next possession, Esiason threw an interception to linebacker Bill Romanowski at the Bengals' 32. That set up a 32-yard Kopher field goal, and the game was tied at 6. But it wouldn't be tied long. Kickoff return specialist Stanford Jennings returned the ensuing kickoff 93 yards for a touchdown. Only the second kickoff return for a touchdown... In Super Bowl history, the the other one came from Fulton Walker by Miami in Super Bowl 17. Oh my, NBC announcer Dick Ember cried as the Bengals took a 13-6 lead into the fourth quarter. It was at that point the San Francisco offense caught fire. Montana threw to Rice for a 31-yard gain. He followed by going deep to Craig, picked up 40 more yards before throwing a pass that was nearly intercepted by defensive back Louis Billups. He dropped it and it fell incomplete, saving the Niners' drive. Montana then threw to the Rice near the left sideline. He extended the ball beyond the goal line for a 14 yard touchdown. Extra point was good. San Francisco tied it at 13. The Bengals got great field position after a kickoff out of bounds, but Haley and defensive end Larry Roberts sacked Esiason to help force another punt. Montana and the now red-hot 49ers came out with a bomb to Rice all the way down to the 37. Craig ran it further to the 31 before the 49ers' drive got gummed up. Kofor tried a 49-yard field goal, trying to give his team the lead, but he missed it wide to the right, and the game remained tied at 13. Now it was time for another methodical drive for Cincinnati. They started running the ball, running the clock, and um, the Sison started out with, first with a pass to receiver Ira Hillary for a first down. Then Woods ran for another first down to the San Francisco 44. And they continue running the ball, running the clock, seven more yards for Woods. And then a side goes play action to James Brooks for 12 more yards, getting to the Niners, 25. False start penalty on the next play set the Bengals back five yards. But Woods got it back on the next play. Jennings ran it as far as the 22, but then the Bengals could not get it. That was actually a third down play, so the Bengals couldn't get the... First down, they had to settle for a 40-yard breach field goal, taking a 16-13 lead. But they left three minutes on the clock for Montana. The 49ers then put together the most famous drive in Super Bowl history. You can have uh, Ben Roethlisberger's Super Bowl 43. You can have Tom Brady's Super Bowl 51, but This is the most famous drive in Super Bowl history. The story goes, Montana got into the huddle and pointed out actor John Candy eating popcorn in the stands. There's John Candy, he told his teammates. Nothing ever rattled Joe Cool. So he comes out and he starts the next drive with a pass to Frank for a first down. And then another one to Rice for a pretty good game. And then Craig ran the ball right before the two minute warning, giving the Niners a third and sort coming out of the break. Craig ran for first down on that next play. Then Montana hit Rice for first down at the Cincinnati 47. Next, Montana went to Craig for over the middle for eleven more yards and another first down. And then Montana looked like he had another pass the Craig. But this time, Randy Cross got called for being downfield as an ineligible receiver. That was his second mistake of the game. But Montana knew what to do. He went back to Rice. He threw it to Rice, and Rice broke three, almost ran for a touchdown, but got tackled at the last minute at the 18. So then Montana was wanting to call timeout. He was making the timeout symbol, but Uh, his coach Walsh wouldn't let him stop the clock. So Joe Cool kept going, passing the Craig for another first. Or, no, it wasn't a first down, but it it was close to one at the 10. And the 49ers called timeout with 39 seconds left on the clock. So now everyone in the stadium had to be thinking the ball was going to Rice here. He had over 200 receiving yards. First player to do that in Super Bowl history. But Montana instead threw it over in the middle to John Taylor, his only catch of the day. Touchdown, 49ers, 10 yards out with only 34 seconds left. The drive of a lifetime ended with Taylor scoring that 10-yard touchdown quite easily at that, but he was barely covered on the play. Sam White looked up at the scoreboard in disbelief. His team had come half a minute from Super Bowl glory. Now the Bengals could only try a few futile plays, uh, some just long bombs by a size in that went incomplete, and they ran out of time, ran out of downs, and the 49ers won it 20-16. to 16. Rice was named Super Bowl MVP, and it was kind of obvious why, because he set the Super Bowl record for most receiving yards with 215. He also caught 11 passes for a share of the Super Bowl record, tying with Cincinnati Bengals tight end Dan Ross from Super Bowl 16. That is the answer to today's trivia question. Dan Ross had the record with 11 catches, Rice tied it. That record for the most receptions now belongs to Patriots running back James White, with 14 from Super Bowl 51. Montana was easily the best player not named Jerry Rice on this day. He would be my choice for a runner-up as MVP. He threw for 357 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions, including that game-winner to Taylor. By the way, Roger Craig also went over 100 yards, receiving on eight catches. Taylor had just one catch, but it was the game winner. The best player in the loser, losing team? That would have to be Stanford Jennings, because he had that 93-yard kickoff return, and that was Cincinnati's only touchdown of the game. Whenever your offense can't get in the end zone, your defense can't stop the opposing team's top receiver, you're not going to win many games. Jennings almost pulled that off with his return. Surprisingly, he didn't return the kickoff following Taylor's touchdown James Brooks took that one and uh didn't make it very far at all so uh, you have to wonder what would have happened if Jennings had caught that last kickoff and maybe he could have returned it pretty far again but the least valuable player sadly was Asiason he was league MVP so a lot of what was expected of him I mean if if you're NFL MVP You've got to play great in the biggest game. But instead, he threw for just 144 yards, completed only 11 of 25 passes, did not throw a touchdown, had a pass picked off, and ended with a miserable passer rating of 46.1. He put a real put up a real clunker in the biggest game of his life. And yes, he would never get this opportunity again. The best player you've never heard of. How about 49ers defensive end Larry Roberts? He started for the 49ers in this game, and he was in on a sack. Uh, Sadly, though, Roberts died at the age of 53 in 2016. But he played a key role in the 49ers' ability to stop Cincinnati from ever getting the end zone on offense. Biggest play of the game is obvious. That was Montana's 10-yard pass to Taylor to win the Super Bowl. And, and there were a couple other big passes the Rice that were big plays that um, were also very memorable. But what about the biggest play you don't remember? Well, that's whenever Cincinnati's defensive back, Lewis Billups, he dropped the Montana pass in the end zone with the Bengals leading 13-6. to So if he picks up that pass, It's a touchback. Bengals get the ball. They're up by seven. Maybe they go downfield and get that field goal, take a 10-point lead. Montana might never get the opportunity to win the game at the end. He's just trying to make a desperate comeback from down 10 points. But instead, since Billups did not catch it, the Niners scored immediately afterward. Next play. We all know what happened from there. So now I'm going to give you some homework for some books to read. And today's homework is easy. Best of Rivals by Adam Lazarus is one of them. And the other one is Building a Champion by Bill Walsh with Glenn Dickey. The former, Best of Rivals, has a great author, Adam Lazarus, one of my favorite NFL authors. Uh, In fact, we're going to get another book from him in a couple of uh, Super Bowls from now, another great book that he wrote, but this one uh, is on the Montana Young controversy. And then the latter book, well, is by Bill Walsh, partially with Glenn Dickey, and Bill Walsh retired after winning this game. Um, he later regretted retiring and went back to coaching at Stanford after an unsuccessful attempt at broadcasting for NBC. He was there. He replaced Merlin Olson as uh, NBC's top color analyst, and it did not go well. And uh, But it comes to his book, Building a Champion. If anyone knows how to build a champion, it's Wolves. Next time, we will suffer for the biggest blowout in Super Bowl history. If you've been following along, you've seen a pattern. 49ers winning Super Bowls, Broncos losing Super Bowls. What happens when the two collide? A massacre. That's coming up next time. As for now, my website is tommyphillips.com, where you can find all of my books. This is Tommy A. Phillips signing off. So long.